online. Thank you so much for joining us. Today is going to be an amazing day. Yeah, we're so glad you guys are here with us this morning. And right now, before service starts, it's the perfect time to get your kids set up with our Bridge Kids online experience, which you can go to the link on our website at thebridgechurch.tv or our Bridge Kids Facebook page. And if Facebook is where you're joining us from today, go ahead and share that page with anyone else who might be interested. Speaking of social media, we want to see where you guys are. We want to be a part of your experience. So if you're joining us on any social media platform, go ahead and tag us at The Bridge Church TV. We want to keep you updated with everything that's going on at The Bridge. So let's get started with church news. God has tremendously blessed our community care program. Each week, God is abundantly supplying food and resources so that we can bless others. We also want to take time to thank our volunteers who have been on the front lines during this unusual season. Your selflessness and servant hearts shine each and every week as you bless our community. Your positive attitudes, prayers, kind words, and smiles are giving people hope to go on through a difficult season. Thank you for your dedication of showing up every week and making an impact in the lives of others. On behalf of the Bridge Church, we want to say a huge thank you. Community care distribution happens at 11 a.m. on Sundays in the back of our church building. Just drive through and pop open the trunk and our friendly team will load groceries for you. If you or anyone you know is in need during this season, we encourage you to come and receive at Community Care. We are here to help. What's up, Bridge Youth? Hey, we just wanted to remind you to stay connected in this season. We know it's a weird season. We know it can be so easy to disconnect, but we don't want to disconnect. We want to continue to do life together. So stay connected. There's a handful of ways that you can do that. You can stay connected with us on social media. Make sure to follow us on Instagram. We got stuff happening there all throughout the week. You don't want to miss anything. Every single announcement that we do will be there at Bridge YTH underscore. Also wanted to remind you, every single Wednesday, we are live on YouTube at 7 p.m. doing our online service. There's games, there's worship, there's messages. Right now, we're in a series called On Location. Just a couple more weeks of this series. It's been absolutely amazing. You don't want to miss it. So hey, stay connected, stay engaged, and involved in the life of the church. We love you, and we miss you, Bridge Youth. We'll see you later. Our annual Back to School Bash is happening Saturday, August 8th, from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. We will be giving away 1,000 free backpacks loaded with school supplies for students kinder through 12th grade. Students must be present. This year, our event will be done in a drive through format, and backpacks and school supplies will be delivered to cars. We will also have an outdoor space set up for free clothing masks, and social distancing required for those who want to shop. Please help us get the word out to our community about Back to School Bash happening Saturday, August 8th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. If you guys are joining us for the first time, go ahead and head over to our website at thebridgechurch.tv. Click on the Connect tab, which will lead you to fill out our digital Connect card, and that'll just help you get involved here at the Bridge Church. We would also love to meet you tonight at our outdoor service at 6 p.m. There's plenty of room and space and shade for your families to be comfortable and have a great time. Yeah, thanks again for joining us today. We are so glad you're choosing The Bridge. 
Now's the time to stand up, get your families, and get ready to worship with us. Hey, good morning, church. Hey, thank you so much for spending your Sunday morning with us and being a part of our online experience here at the Bridge Church. We're going to dedicate this time to worship our God. Let's give him all the glory and all the praise that he deserves. This one thing I'm asking, one thing I'm needing, a moment that's passing, it's not what I'm seeking. Like it's the air I'm breathing, I want your presence beat on me. Surrounding me, let it burn. 
You alone. 
You are worthy. His name is worthy of our praise. At the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus. What do you need? You need the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter if you are in the highs or in the lows. You need the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, salvation comes. At the name of Jesus, healing comes. At the name of Jesus, deliverance comes. In the name of Jesus, darkness flees. In the name of Jesus, demons have to bow. In the name of Jesus, the chains that are weighing you down in life will be released. In the name of Jesus. You need the name of Jesus. If that is all you have, you have much when you have the name of Jesus. He is your rock. He is your comforter. And he will be there for you right by your side as quick as the blink of an eye when you call on the name of Jesus. Right there where you're at. Wherever you are listening from, just begin to call on the name of Jesus. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I need you here in my life. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, you are all I need. Jesus, you are all my heart desires. Jesus. 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 We are so glad that you have joined us this morning from wherever you are. We have a great service and a great word planned for you that God has ordained for such a time as this in your life. And we are so glad that you chose to spend your Sunday with us. Good morning, Bridge Church. Thank you so much for joining us for Sunday morning worship online here at the Bridge. I wanted to take just a moment out of service today for something that's very important to us, and that is our giving. You know, giving always costs us something, and our giving to God throughout Scripture is seen as worship. Worship equals giving, giving equals worship. And one of the things that happens when we give back to God's work is we're always making a difference somewhere in our community or somewhere in the world. On August the 8th, coming up in just a few days, we're having our annual Back to School Bash. It's very different this year because we're still trying to figure out exactly how schools are going to be operating in this unusual season. But whether students are heading off to school or going to be studying more from home, whatever happens, they still need supplies for school and they still need backpacks in many cases. We're going to be giving away up to a thousand backpacks this year. It's going to be a drive-through format different than anything we've ever done before because of this season. But you know what? I want to say thank you today for getting on board with this. We're making a difference in people's lives in our community who are very much in need in this season. And probably there will be a lot of people at this particular back to school bash needing school supplies who normally wouldn't be here because of job-related situations in this season. So I just want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. As we give to God, we are making a difference in people's lives. 
And then finally, don't forget, if you'd like to volunteer and help us, there are a lot of things going to be going on at the Back to School Bash on August 8th. You can go online or go to the church app and sign up there. We'd love for you to get involved as we reach out to our community and make a difference. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Church, thank you so much for your generosity. Yes, your giving is truly making a difference, both in our community and around the world. Well, now it's time to get into God's Word. Here is Pastor Zach for the message today. Hey church, it's good to see you this morning. Thanks so much for taking the time to tune in and be a part of your church family on Sunday morning. It's going to be a great day. Um, I also just want to say we've mentioned a couple things today, and we just want to remind you we are so looking forward to things that are happening tonight and this week with our outdoor service tonight at 6 p.m. We hope you'll be here if you've never been to one of them. Not only that, but we have Back to School Bash this Saturday. If you'd like to serve at this great community outreach event, we would love for you to be a part of it. So jump online or on the Bridge app and register to serve this Saturday. It's going to be an awesome awesome day. Today we're going to get into the Word of God, and I want to invite you to join me in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6, and I want to bring you a message that is called Well Over Weary. Well Over Weary. And you'll see what that means here in just a little bit, but I want to just take some time to dive into the text here and just see where we're going. The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians 6, one of the most famous passages of Scripture that he wrote in the New Testament. It says in verse 7 of Galatians 6, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows or a woman sows, a person sows, that they will also reap. So you reap what you sow. For he who sows to their flesh will, will of the flesh also reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. The King James here says it so well. It says, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season... We shall reap if we do not lose heart. Father, I thank you so much for your word today. I pray that it would go deep into the soil of our heart and the seed that is your word would sprout up and bring about godly results in our lives. I pray that we would learn to submit our lives and our ways and our will to you so that your ways and your will can come about in our lives and that we would live fruitful lives that are pleasing to you and are a testimony to the world around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, in this passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul is talking about a principle in the New Testament that goes all the way back to the beginning of the Old Testament. And I think it's really important that we understand why it is that Paul was talking about this. A big part of Paul's audience in the Galatian church would have been traditional Jewish people who had converted over to Christianity. So in appealing to them and talking to them, he would have understood that they knew the Old Testament scriptures. And so he uses a principle that is really a physical and a natural law that goes all the way back to the beginning of creation. And it's this thing that we call sowing and reaping or seed time and harvest. And I want to take you all the way back real quick to the beginning of the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 8 to see where this principle comes from. You know, we see that the produce of the land, the vegetation that God created is all the way back there in the creation story and narrative. But in Genesis 8, after the great flood, after Noah and his family have survived on the ark and two of every animal, Noah, he, he gets off of the ark and he builds an altar and he makes a sacrifice to God. And scripture tells us in Genesis 8 that this sacrifice, the aroma of that sacrifice is pleasing to God. And it says that God said in his heart, Genesis 8 verse 22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night, 
shall not cease. So as long as the earth remains, this principle of seed time and harvest or sowing and reaping will always remain. And when God made this promise, you have to remember that every time God says this, makes a statement, or in this case, even a covenant promise, as long as the earth endures, this thing will not change. There will always be seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping. So as long as you are on the earth, you can take advantage of this principle, this law, this physical, natural law that I've put in place of seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping. Now, again, this is a physical and natural law that exists and goes all the way back to the beginning of the Old Testament. But Paul is using it here to develop and establish a spiritual truth or a spiritual principle as well. We can not only sow physical and natural seeds, but we can sow spiritual seeds that will reap a spiritual fruit or a spiritual harvest. Paul explains this in the previous chapter a little bit better because if you read through Galatians chapter 6, you might say, well, what does it mean to sow to the flesh and what does it mean to sow to the spirit? It's not an easy thing to understand if you only read that, those three verses really out of context. So I want to rewind real quick and go back to Galatians chapter 5 and look at what Paul wrote in great length. And we're not going to take a lot of time here, but I want to reflect on it real quick so that everybody understands this. So important that we understand where sowing and reaping is coming from in a spiritual sense. This is what he says, Galatians 5 and verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, right here in verse 16 of Galatians 5, Paul is establishing the principle that there is a conflict between what my flesh wants to do and what the Spirit of God wants from me. There's a conflict, there's a choice, there's an option that's always set before me where I have to choose to walk in the flesh or of the flesh or walk of the Spirit. Another way that he puts it is I can sow seeds to the flesh or of the flesh or I can sow seeds of the Spirit in my life. And depending on which seeds I sow, that's the kind of fruit or harvest that I'm going to get in my life. Now, before we move on and read more of this, I want to just give you something to think about. And if you're like me and you take notes, here's something that you can write down to remember this, okay? Every time you see this battle and this conflict of the flesh and the spirit taking place in the New Testament, especially here in Paul's writings, notice lowercase f for flesh. It's talking about me. I'm not as great as God. I'm lowercase f in the flesh when I choose to live according to my own desires. But when it says spirit, it's capital S talking about the spirit of God, the spirit of God being greater than me in my flesh. A very simple principle to hold on to, but the reason why I say this is because every time you see that word flesh, what it's really talking about here is it's talking about the sensual person, the person who lives according to their senses, the person who lives according to their emotions, the person who lives according to what feels good in my senses and in my flesh, what's satisfying and gratifying in my flesh. But when it talks about the spirit, it's talking about not just my spirit man, it's talking about the spirit of God. The Greek word here is pneuma, the spirit of God. And if I want to access the life of God or that Greek zoe life of God, then I have to tap into the spirit of God and sow godly spiritual seeds in my life. Now, we talked about how do you sow to the flesh and how do you sow to the spirit. Read on in verse 19 of Galatians 5. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, that's not all, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Now watch what he says. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not 
inherit the kingdom of God. Now let's pause right there because this is not a word of condemnation. What Paul's actually doing here is he's mentioning all of these behaviors which are actually fruits of the flesh. And what he's saying here is, think about your sinful life. And I I think about my life for a moment before I was walking with Christ. All of those words, all of those characteristics and descriptions that Paul just used, I look back at my life before I was walking with Christ, and it wasn't my intention that those things would be my labels and those things would be my identities. But when you choose to walk according to the flesh, those things are the fruits of the flesh because I'm choosing to live by my own sensual man, choosing to live according to the flesh, what makes sense to me, what gratifies and satisfies me right now. And if I choose that path, these things will be the result. And if these fruits are popping up in my life, it's a result of the root problem or the seed That's gone deep into my heart, that fleshly seed that I've sown. And so he's saying, if I choose to live to the flesh, there are not going to be everlasting or eternal fruits. Instead, I'm going to perish both in this life and eternally. It's corrupt if I sow to the flesh. But watch what he does here in verse 22. Everybody knows this verse very well. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, or against these things, there is no law. In other words, God doesn't have a law against these things because God is the one that is producing these things in my life if I sow seeds of the Spirit of God in my everyday life. So here's a thought that I want to give you when it comes to sowing and reaping. For everything else that we'll talk about today, in every single one of your life decisions, this is something you might want to write down and hold on to. If I want to grow it, I have to sow it. If I want to grow it, I have to sow it. If I want to reap generosity, then I have to sow generosity. If I want to reap a closer relationship with God, then I have to sow more time with God. In the same way that your own spouse or the kids in your, in your, in your family, the people in your world that you care about, if you want to, to reap a greater relationship with them, you have to sow time into that relationship. If I want to grow it, then I have to sow it. It's a principle that God has put in place from the beginning of time. So what is it that I'm supposed to sow? The thing that I want to grow in my life. So with all of that said, we've talked about seed time and harvest. We've talked about sowing and reaping. We've talked about what it looks like to sow to the flesh and to sow to the spirit. Let's go back to where we started. Galatians 6 verse 7. Don't be deceived for God is not mocked. But whatever a person sows, that they will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. I want to tell you a story real quick because I read a really funny story recently, and I found it to be pretty humorous. It's not a very serious story, but I thought it was a really good illustration of this point. There is a, an award ceremony that takes place. There's a, it's kind of a web-based internet platform, and, uh, or it's streamed through multiple internet platforms, but it's this award ceremony that's called the Webbies. And every single year, there are these Webby Awards that are given out, and this, this uh, award ceremony is streamed through various platforms, and they award innovation and creativity in um, internet design and all kinds of things that take place specifically through the internet. And with the advent of the internet over the last 20-plus years, we have seen so much innovation take place in that area. So there was a guy that was awarded with a Lifetime Achievement Award in 2013, and his name was Steve Wilhite. And Steve Wilhite was not somebody that I had ever heard of before, and he's probably not somebody that you've ever heard of. But Steve Wilhite invented, or he created, a digital file format that is called the Graphic Interchange Format. That might not sound familiar to you, but what if I asked you, have you ever heard of a GIF? 
Steve Wilhite created the GIF, okay? Now, some of you were like, what's a GIF? If you have a millennial in your house or a kid in your house, just ask them or a millennial in your family. They'll tell you what it is, and then they'll show it to you on Facebook, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, I know what that is. I've seen it. So Steve Wilhite, he was awarded a Lifetime Achievement Award at the 2013 Webbies for this creation that he actually created all the way back in 1987. And at the time that Steve Wilhite created the GIF or the graphic interchange format, he had no idea what it would later on, you know, really come to be famous for. He had no idea how big and how widely used this thing would be. And what's funny is, is that not long after he created it, the technology of the day had already surpassed it to a point that he didn't even think it was really a usable format anymore. But then web designers and artists and the like really came about and they used this format that he created to give us this thing that we now today know as the GIF. So Steve Wilhite gets invited to the Webbies, and before the ceremony, he sits before the press and the news media, and they're asking him questions. And many, many tech magazines and websites were there to question Steve Wilhite and ask him about his creation of the GIF and if he ever knew that this would happen. And they asked him this question. They said, Steve, how does it feel to receive recognition for something that has become so widely used, this thing that we know is the GIF? And Steve's response was very simple. He said, well, actually... It's not called a GIF. It's called a GIF. And everybody in the room, including all of the people from all of the tech magazines, kind of sighed and looked back at him. And they're like, what? We've known it as a GIF. And you're saying it's called a GIF? And he says, well, yeah. And they said, but Steve, don't you understand? It's spelled G-I-F. How could that be GIF? If you read it phonetically, it's quite clear that it's a GIF. And Steve says, no, no, no. I created it. I know how to pronounce it. In fact, this was the response that Steve Wilhite gave. He said, the Oxford English Dictionary accepts both pronunciations but they are wrong. It is a soft G pronounced GIF, end of story. And I love how Steve Wilhite just stood his ground. He's like, no, I created it. I named it. I know what it is. I'm the person who can tell you how to pronounce it because I'm the one that made it. And the reason why I actually ever came across this story in the first place was because there's a website called Gizmodo that writes about tech gadgets and they give reviews on all kinds of different tech things. And they had actually published an article saying, yes, Steve, we know that you're the one that created it and called it the GIF, but it got famous because all of us now call it a GIF. So therefore, we're right and you're wrong. It's not a GIF, it's a GIF. And the whole heart and really spirit behind this article was to kind of mock Steve Wilhite for calling it something, even though he was the one that created it. And I thought about this and I thought, how crazy it is, the audacity that these people have to tell the person that created something, that's not what it's called, it's called this instead. I mean, that's hilarious. I mean, think about this for a moment. You know, food is something that we all need to survive, but really food has become an art. And my wife makes things all the time at dinner and, and desserts and all kinds of other things that she creates for our family. And she'll like make a salad, for example, and she'll add a twist to it. And suddenly she's made it new and she's made it different. And I'll taste it and I'll say, I don't think I've ever had a salad like that before. That was amazing. Babe, that was so Good, and I try to tell her how much I like the thing that she's created. And imagine if I came to your house and you created a dinner and a dessert for me, and it wasn't just the traditional thing that I had always known, but it was your take on it. It was your twist on it. You made it the way that you envisioned so that it would come out a certain way that would be pleasing to your guests. And what if you presented it to me and I tasted it and I said to you, no, you got it all wrong. That's not the way you make a salad. That's not the way that you make that pasta. That's not the way that you make a pizza. That's not the way that you cook a steak. No, no, no. It's not up to me to tell you what's right or wrong because you're the person that created it. It's your creation. You tell me what it is that you've done. I don't tell you, and I'm not going to mock you if you're the one that's created it. 
Now, with all of that said, is it possible that there are times in our life that not just as human beings, but even more specifically as Christians, that we look at the ways of God and we want to get godly results, but we don't want to do things God's way. So therefore, we expect to get a result when God says, you're not doing things my way, you're sowing according to your flesh, not according to my spirit. Is it possible that when we do it that way, what we're doing is we're looking at God and we're mocking his ways and saying, I can get your results by doing things my way. Is it possible? Because I think a lot of us as Christians, that's what happens. We find ourselves in seasons where we don't like the fruit of our life and we come back to God and we say, God, what's the deal? Why am I getting this fruit? Why am I getting this harvest in your life? And the answer to that question that God wants to show us is, well, you gotta go back to the seeds that you've sown. But sometimes what we do is we say, well, I don't want to do it your way, God, because it seems more pleasing to my flesh. It makes more sense to me here to do it this way, and I still want to achieve your results, but I'm going to do it my way and not yours. And God says, okay, then you can have that result. You can live with the fruit that you get because you're going to sow the seeds of the flesh. And what Paul was trying to illustrate to us here is that when we come to God and we say, I'm going to do things my way, hoping to get your results instead of doing things your way, it's as if we're mocking God. And, you know, this word mock in the Greek is so interesting because it's the Greek word muktorizo, and it means to make mouths at or to make faces at. And it's as if we get back in God's face and we say, well, I don't want to do things your way, God. I want to do things my way, and I want you to bless my life. And I want you to just open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing in my life, but I'm not going to do things your way because that's the hard way. I want to do things my way. I want to do what seems right to me, but expect your blessings and your fruit and your results. And what Paul's saying is that it's as if we're mocking God when we choose to do things our way and then expect his results. I don't want to be that kind of person, but what's so interesting is he says, don't be deceived, for God is not mocked. There again in the Greek, that word deceive, it means to be led astray from truth. And at some point, if I choose to walk in my own ways according to my own fleshly desires, but still expect God's results in my life, I've been led astray from the truth somewhere. Somewhere I've been deceived. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. If we want God's fruit, if we want God's results, we have to choose to sow the seeds of the Spirit of God in our life. Now, this is where I want to spend the rest of our time that we have today is in that final verse that we read in Galatians chapter 6. Let's go back. After we've established all these things, let's go back to verse 9 of Galatians 6. It says, let us not grow weary. Think about that word grow For just a moment, in the context of everything we've just said, sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest, seed and fruit, seed and blossom, seed and fruition in our life. Let us not grow weary while doing good. And I'll say this again. The King James says, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Paul's laid out this big process of sowing and reaping and how we can get God's results if we'll do things God's way. But I want to just show this to you because one of the things that I've kind of grown to understand is that throughout all of our lives, throughout all of our lifetimes, there's going to be times where we have sown a seed believing for God's results in our life. But before we get the fruit of that seed, we have to wait. We find ourselves in the middle. We find ourselves with time on our hands. And It doesn't matter what it is that you've sown and what it is that you're expecting. There are always going to be seasons of our life where something is growing and we have time on our hands and we're waiting for it to sprout. We're waiting for it to blossom. We're waiting to reap. And I don't know about you, but sometimes the time can mess with my head. Sometimes the the time can mess with my heart even. and It can cause me to waver 
in my faith, if things don't happen as quick as I want them to, I can start to question God. I can start to question the process. I can start to question if this thing I'm believing for is ever going to come to pass. So what do I do in the waiting? What do I do with all of that time? You know, that word grow that's in verse 9 there is so interesting. Let us not grow weary in well-doing. That word grow is actually not even in the original Greek manuscript there. It's been added by the translators, but I find that word to be so adequate because he's been talking about sowing and reaping, and it's now like, hey, during this time of waiting for that thing to sprout and waiting for that thing to blossom, you can still be growing something else in your life. But now he's not talking about fruit. He's talking about wellness versus weariness. In the meantime, from the time that I planted a seed of the Spirit of God, from the time that I'm waiting for that thing to harvest or come to fruition in my life, I have all this time on my hands, and there's other stuff that's growing that has the potential to discourage me or encourage me from the time that I get to seeing that fruit and holding it in my hands. I want to talk about those two words. What are we growing in our life? Wellness or weariness? I believe it's the will of God that we would be growing in our wellness and not on our weariness. And let's just dive into these for a little bit here because when we see wellness and weariness, again, it's a conflict, right? I believe that we have the responsibility to grow wellness and not grow weariness in our lives during our seasons of waiting. In other words, I can't allow weariness to grow where God intended wellness to thrive. Where God intended wellness to thrive, I cannot allow weariness to grow. Now, when we started talking about sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest, we went back to Genesis 8 a little bit ago. We're not going to go there again, but I want to just give you something to think about. It's interesting that the way that the words get translated are not seed and harvest, but seed time and harvest. Man, that word time, that word, honestly, that word really sucks sometimes because we find ourselves waiting so long. Sometimes it feels like, God, are you paying attention to what's going on? What am I going to do with all this time? You promised that if I would sow these seeds that I would reap a harvest, but here I am just sitting waiting for you to come and bring a harvest and fruit into my life. What do we do with that time that we always find on our hands? You know, I think that our life is very similar to a garden. If our life or our heart is a garden, then we have to recognize that life is always going to be work, just like growing a garden is going to be work. You have to work while you are waiting to make sure that you get the fruit you're expecting to get. I think we've all seen a garden at some point in our life that has been abandoned. And when we go and we see it, we kind of see the remnants of what once was. We look back to when that plant or that fruit or that vegetable or that, that herb, whatever it is that's there, it began to sprout. And began to blossom, and it gave us something that was beautiful, but pretty soon that thing wasn't tended to, and it began to die. Or maybe the weeds crept in around it in such a, to such a point that now when we see it, what we see is these big, strong, thriving, healthy weeds that have overgrown and overtaken that thing that was intended to be fruitful in the first place. And we've abandoned that thing that we wanted originally because we didn't want to do the work to keep up with that thing that was creeping in around it. So seed, time... In harvest, if I've already planted the seed and I'm still waiting on the harvest, what do I do with this time that's on my hands? I want to just give you three words to think about if we want to maintain our soil, the garden of our life, so that we reach the harvest that God has intended for our life. Three words. Number one, watering. Number two, weeding. And number three, waiting. Watering, weeding, 
and waiting. Let's talk about watering for just a moment. I want to give you something that's so simple to think about. And, and many of you know this very well, but sadly we abandon this principle in our life all the time. Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now we know this, especially those of us who come from a faith church. We're a faith church, and man, we know that passage of Scripture so well that faith comes by hearing. It comes by hearing the word of God. But isn't it amazing how often we abandon that principle in our life and we find ourselves discouraged when we should be encouraged for the thing that we're believing for? You know, I know lots of Christians that every time they hear that passage of Scripture, faith comes by hearing, hearing of the word of God, they just think, man, I've heard that a million times to the point that it almost doesn't mean anything to them anymore. When we have time on our hands between the seed and the harvest and we're waiting for God to deliver on his promise, it's so easy for us to grow in our weariness because we get tired of waiting, we get discouraged, and we don't do things that will feed our faith. And the word of God is there to feed our faith, especially in our times of waiting. This season of life that we're in right now, this is a crazy season. And I think for a lot of us, what we feel like, we're just sitting in this, like, this space of time where we are waiting. Like, my time of sowing was over there. I'm waiting for my time of reaping to come. I don't know what's going to be. I don't know when we're going to get through this season. I don't know what tomorrow's going to look like. I'm just sitting here waiting for something to happen. And it's so easy for weariness to grow when God intended for wellness to thrive. And if we do not water the seed that we have planted with the word of God, we can become discouraged when God wants us to continue to stay encouraged. Don't let that passage of scripture lose its meaning in your life. Faith will come by hearing. Let the hearing of the word of God be watered to the soil and the seed that you have planted. You know, not long ago, during this downtime that we had of, you know, I know a lot of us, we call it quarantine or, you know, whatever the, the correct word is when we had stay-at-home orders. My wife was out of town with our kids for a few days, and I was doing some work in our backyard. When I was back there, one of the things that I did, and I know this is so simple, and I probably should have learned this a long time ago, but I'm a much better listener kind of learner than I am a reader learner. And so, you know, I just learned so much better that way. And I found that when I would just go out and listen to Scripture, just chapter after chapter, or even go back and listen to it again, I was amazed at how I was encouraged to believe for the things that, you know, the things I was believing for, how encouraged I was to hold on to those promises and water that seed. God, you're going to get us there. God, you're going to take us there. God, you're going to bring that seed to fruition in my life. And I use that as a literal example because we say faith comes by hearing. One of the things that I was learning was that my faith was being built better when I was listening to it rather than just reading it on the page because I could take it and I learned so much better that way. And there are some of us that we have just pushed pause on the word of God in our life when we get discouraged. And what happens is the weeds begin to grow because we are not doing our job of watering the seed that we have sown. We have to be good about this. Listen, don't take the word of God for granted. Don't just let it be cliche in your, in your head and in your heart. Go back and recognize that the more time I spend in the word, reading it, listening to it, hearing it, hearing godly teaching, getting into the word of God, my faith will be lifted. I will feed my faith while starving my doubt, and I will be encouraged to believe for the fruit to come in my life. So we've got to water that seed if we want to get to the harvest. But here's the second, time, the second thing, the weeding. We went from the watering to the weeding. You know, there's this ongoing joke that's existed forever in my family that says, don't ask Zach to pull weeds. Because when I was a kid, I hated pulling weeds. It was my least favorite chore. It's so time-consuming and so tedious, and it seems like you can never get them all. I remember actually a couple of really specific times when I was younger where we'd get in fights in the front yard with my parents because I didn't want to pull the weeds, and I would get grounded the rest of the day, you know? 
But what's funny about it is I found somehow, some way, as tedious as it is, to see that pulling weeds has become a bit more gratifying and satisfying at this point in my life. Because when I'm done with it and I see those flowers, like, you know, really like blossoming and I see that there are no weeds that are holding it back and the flower bed looks nice and the garden looks nice and the, the yard is well kept, when I see it, it looks so much better. And I look at it and I say it was worth the work because of the end result. You know, Jesus talked a little bit about this in the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. And we don't have this for the screens. We're not going to dive deep into it. But he said that when the sower went out and he scattered seed, he talked about the seed being scattered onto thorns. There are other Bible commentators that really refer to that as weeds or thorns. And it says that it was drowned out and killed by the cares of this life and that the weeds and the thorns were the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches. When we find ourselves in that waiting period or that, that time in between the seed and the harvest, what am I consumed with? Am I consumed with the cares of this life or am I doing my due diligence on plucking out all of those things that do not need to be in my life that might drown out the word of God and the promises of God for my life? It's up to me. I have to water it, but I also have to weed it and I have to tend that garden. Can I tell you something? If you will water the garden of your life with the word of God, and if you will do the work, if you'll do the hard yards, if you'll do your due diligence, put in the time, even if it's time consuming, even if it's tedious to make sure that you are weeding that garden and don't let anything grow that will choke the life out of your walk with God, you will see your garden begin to grow and begin to flourish. It might take time and sometimes time can be frustrating, but you're going to get there, but you got to do your due diligence. Make sure you're watering it and make sure you're pulling the weeds around it. And then the third thing, I know I've said this word in a couple of different contexts, watering, weeding, and waiting. Man, waiting. Nobody likes waiting. I can't think of anybody that likes waiting. I think back to all these different times in my life where I found myself in a situation where I had to wait a long time for something. I had to wait on somebody else. You had to wait on a friend, wait on a family member. Sometimes we feel like we're waiting on God. And we get frustrated and we say, God, where are you at? I'm tired of waiting. Waiting can be difficult. But the truth is, waiting can also bring us to a place where we learn to trust God in a greater way. Pastor Gary referred to this passage of Scripture two weeks ago in his message, and I just want to reiterate it. I know it's so familiar, but listen to what this means. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Think about that. Those who wait on the Lord are going to renew their strength. How often do you feel like your strength is being depleted when you're having to wait on anything? We hate waiting. We feel like we lose our patience. We lose our strength. We're losing our endurance because we're having to wait for something. But if we wait on the Lord, we will renew our strength. Or that word wait there, it literally means to bind together. And Pastor talked about this so beautifully two weeks ago, like to be bound together like with cords. If we will bind ourselves to God, to his promises, to his word, to his truths, even though we are waiting, even though it might take time, God, I am so wrapped up in you that I refuse to let go, or more specifically, I refuse to, I refuse to, to let you let me go. Because I'm so wrapped up in your word, I'm so wrapped up in your promise that I know you're going to get me there, so therefore I'm willing to wait because I'm waiting with you. I'm not waiting by myself, I'm waiting with you. And rather than seeing my strength depleted, I will see that my strength is renewed. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's such a great picture of what the Apostle Paul really says later on at the end of Galatians 6, 
in verse 9. Again, he says, in due season, we will reap if we don't lose heart. If we don't lose heart. If we don't lose heart. In the original language there, to lose heart literally means to be dispirited. Think about that for a moment. We said if you want to wait on the Lord, that means to be so wrapped up in his word and in his promises that I don't mind waiting because I'm waiting with you, God. But then when we get to being dispirited, that literally means to be unloosened or unwound, to be separated from the promise, to be separated from the truth. I think that we have to understand that the truth that's given to us, the promise that's given to us, that if we will sow to the Spirit or of the Spirit of God in our life and reap a harvest, if we can wrap our heart around that promise and hold on tight and be so wrapped up in it that we don't let go, we will not be dispirited. That word dispirited, that definition there, it's such a perfect definition because what did we talk about earlier? Sowing seeds of the flesh or sowing seeds of the Spirit. I believe that God wants to walk through every season of life with us, but he also gives us the responsibility of wrapping ourselves up in his promises. None of us like waiting. Sometimes we get discouraged. And sometimes we find ourselves looking at God and saying, God, when are your promises going to come to pass? The truth is, we have to choose to hold on to wrap ourselves up in the promises of God, to wrap those promises around us so tightly that they won't let us go, to let ourselves be wrapped up in God's goodness and God's faithfulness so tightly that we will not be let go of by God. And I think that if we understand that, if we know that, then we'll get through any season no matter how difficult it might be. You know, in closing, I just want to share a couple of thoughts from my heart. I think one of the most discouraging things that I've seen during this season of life that we're in is how discouraged so many people are and how many people have seemed to abandon the promises of God in their life. I can't think of anything more discouraging than seeing people say, you know, I just feel like I'm dying on the vine over here. Can I tell you something? We have a responsibility during our season of waiting to water the seed of God's word or to water that seed with God's word and then to weed our garden and make sure that we are not being overtaken by the cares of this world. If we can do it, if we can hold on, if we can make sure that we are wrapped up in God's promises, then he's not going to let us go. There's a song that says, if you can't hold on, hold on. If you can't hold on, hold on. Some of you right now, the best thing, best word of advice I can give you, best word of encouragement I can give you is to keep holding on. Keep holding on because God is always true to his promises. The question is, what are you doing with your garden in the meantime? Seed, harvest, but in the middle, there's time. What are you doing with your time? Are you willing to do the work? Because if you'll do the work, God will bring the reward. If you want to grow it, you have to sow it. But in the middle, you have to choose to tend your garden. I want to pray a prayer in just a moment, but I just really believe that God wants to encourage some people. He wants to speak life to you today. He wants to give you strength. He wants to help you renew your strength so that you mount up with wings like an eagle, so that you run and don't become weary, that you walk and you don't faint, that you are not let go. You are holding on to the promises of God because you're so wrapped up in it. If God has brought you to it, he's going to see you through it. Hold on. Let's get through this because good things await on the other side. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that your promises are true, that your promises are real, and that you always keep them. God, we know that we will reap a a harvest, Father, if we continue to sow good seeds. And God, we want your results, so we choose to sow 
your way and take your paths and take your ways to heart in our life. And I pray that today in Jesus' name, you would encourage us, you would strengthen us to have the endurance that we need even if this season of life seems difficult. Even if it seems like we're losing our strength, I pray that you would renew our strength as we wrap ourselves up in your word. I pray that you would speak to us from your word to water that seed that has been planted in our lives. And even if we haven't seen the harvest yet, God, I pray that you would see us through this season and that you would just continue to encourage us and that our faith would be built through your word. I pray, God, that you would just be with people as they do the work in the hard yards of of tending the garden of their life and weeding that garden, God, and casting out the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches, the things that have consumed us in the past. I pray that we would turn from those ways, look to you, and look for your godly, heavenly, spiritual harvest in our lives. Strengthen your people today, I ask in Jesus' name. God, we know that you're going to bring about a harvest, and we know, God, that you're going to be with us until the end. So, Father, we choose right now to hold on to your word, and to hold on to your promises in this season of our lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And you might be watching at home right now. Maybe you hear all this and you say, yeah, Zach, this has been a crazy season. It's been a difficult season. And we all know that and we all understand it. And maybe you feel like you're walking through it alone. I want to tell you today that God never intended that you would walk through any season of your life alone. In fact, he wants to walk through every season of life with you. And if you've never made a decision to invite God into your life, the way that we do it is by saying yes to Jesus. Scripture tells us quite clearly that all of us, we have fallen away from God because of our sin. We've been separated from God because of our sin, because of our imperfection and the times that we miss the mark. But God, our creator, our loving heavenly father, loved us so much that he sent Jesus, his only son, his sinless, perfect son, to this earth to die a death that we deserve for our sin and pay a price that we could not pay for our redemption. If we would put our faith in that sacrifice, we could experience salvation. Scripture also tells us that after Christ's death, three days later, that God raised him from the dead, conquering death and hell and the grave for us so that we wouldn't have to face it. If you've never accepted Christ into your life and just received that hope for you, for this life, and for all of eternity, I just want to invite you to do that. I'd be honored to pray a prayer to help you walk into that relationship. This isn't the end. This is simply the beginning of a life of following Jesus and being a disciple. I invite you to pray a prayer with me right now. Just make this your very own and say, Father, I thank you for sending Jesus for me. I believe that Jesus died for me, that he was raised to life, conquering death for me. So I choose to make Jesus my Lord, the Lord of my life, and my Savior from this day forward. I will walk with you. I will learn your ways in this life and into eternity. I thank you for all that you have done for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, that's the best prayer that you could ever pray in life to invite Christ into your life. And we simply want to help you start your journey with God, this journey of faith, but we don't want you to do it by yourself. We have a free gift that we want to give you called the next seven days and our service hosts will tell you how you can get it in just a moment. But thank you so, so much for making that decision today. Again, it's the best decision that you can make and you're not the only one who's on this journey. We're all doing it together. So thank you so much. Hey, if you've never been to the bridge and if you're watching online, we have outdoor services tonight at 6 p.m. We would love for you to come and be a part of our church family. It's gonna be an awesome time. I know a lot of people have said, hey, we aren't having church right now. Yes, we are Sunday night on the plaza at 6 p.m. And we would love for you 
to be here. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision today to follow Christ or rededicate your life, we have a free gift we'd like to give you. Yep, our free gift is the next seven days. It is a resource that will help you out for this next week in following Jesus. If you're watching on YouTube, you can click the link in the feed or DM us on Instagram or Facebook, Next 7. We will get you plugged in and all set and ready to go. Yeah, thanks again for joining us. We were so glad to be with you this morning. But we'd love to see you guys tonight at our 6 p.m. service here at The Bridge. Yep, have a great day.